the ability to go without is a very powerful tool, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to talk about all things fasting, but instead of talking kind of on the topic that I talked about this week of fasting from social media or caffeine or alcohol, we're going to strictly talk about kind of the benefits of fasting from food. Like, why would you fast? How would you structure a fast? The importance of fasting, those kind of things. Um, but just to kind of open up with what we've been talking about a lot this week with deload week is I think, uh, the deload week for me personally is going to be the way that I'm going to continually move forward with my entire life of like putting a little bit more strict fa- fasting protocols in place. Um, and like I said, fasting is not just going to be a food thing. Like I did fasting from caffeine. We did fasting from alcohol. We did fasting from social media. Some people, we did fasting in very different platforms, but it's still the same concept, right? The ability to go without is going to be a very powerful thing in itself. So today I want to talk about, and I kind of wrote down five benefits of what we're going to talk about strictly from a fasting perspective of food, right? So to kind of open up my notes, because uh, I finally took some notes today, well, I actually wrote down the email first. Um, when it comes to fasting from food, just to kind of open up with some of like how you can do it, there's a lot of different ways, right? And one of the things that I really want to kind of open up with a, as a disclaimer first is uh, I think a lot of the fasting benefits from like the research and the stuff I've done. They have the exact same benefits of kind of being in a calorie restriction for some of these. So I always like to kind of like preface this, and this is actually one of the benefits that I put was calorie restriction. Um, it's just that don't look at fasting as like this end-all be-all diet tool. I think it's a very powerful way to kind of structure your day to kind of stay organized to keep you in a lot of line with all the benefits that it provides. Um, but not necessarily is it fasting that provides all of it, right? Fasting just kind of inhibits some of the other things, if that makes sense. So when it comes to structuring it, here's a good way to kind of think about it. You can intermittently fast. So that's like picking a, a window of eating throughout the day. So for example, like a popular one is a 16-8. So if you were to eat your first meal at 10 a.m. and you eat your last meal at 6 p.m., that'd be eight hours of eating. And that would be 16 hours without eating, right? Um, then there's things like doing alternate day fasts, right? Then you can do daily fasts or like a 24-hour fast or a longer 48-hour fast. Or some people even do multi-day fast. Um, calorie restriction, I actually think to a certain extent is a, a type of fasting as well, just kind of in a different dimension and lens. Um, so when you're going to pick these things, the best way to structure them is to first kind of understand where you're at, B, what is the goal, um, and then kind of figure out what's going to be the most sustainable way to approach it, right? Because at the end of the day, just like anything else is like all diets work, but the question is like, what's diets going to be more sustainable for you? Um, you know, I personally am someone that doesn't really have a weight loss goal. I have more health goals and longevity goals and energy goals. So I think fasting is something that's very powerful for me. Um, and I've been playing around with it probably more consistently for the last, call it two years, kind of consistently, intermittently. And then I've been doing these longer fasts, like we did a 48 hour fast or a 24 hour fast. And we do those like once a quarter. And I think it's a good little reset for the body. Um, I like to look at fasting as a very powerful tool on the mental side of what I do. Um, but there's obviously all these physiological benefits as well, which are great. Um, but for me at the end of the day, like you guys have heard, if you listen to this, that like the mindset for me will always be the most important thing. And these dependencies that we create over like creating habits and over time and time and time, it's good to go without, right? Like for me, to be honest with you, this week, the hardest part of the fast was actually the caffeine. Last time I did this a deload ago, um, three months ago. The caffeine wasn't too bad for me. I like didn't get headaches, and I wasn't really in a very bad place. I think we only did like three or four days or whatever it was, but I don't remember it being this bad. This week, like Monday and Tuesday, and probably somewhat of yesterday. Today I feel good. Yesterday I felt I felt pretty good, but Monday and Tuesday I was definitely just like 
lagging ass. I just did not feel 100% the whole time. So um, that was a, a awakening moment for me. The alcohol last time was a hard one for me. And I actually don't even think I made it to my quota of days that I had set this week. I haven't had any problem with it, right? Granted, we're only on, you know, day four now. But, like, I actually, usually I always, like, crave a glass of wine when I'm cooking dinner and things like that. But, like, it's been good to see that, like, hey, the alcohol was easier for me. Um, the 24-hour fast on Tuesday was all right. Last time I did a 48-hour fast. Um, I think because I'm doing more stuff this time, I chose not to go as aggressive. Um, so, like I said, I think for moving forward, you'll hear me talk about this a lot every three months about like when deload week happens, let's let deload week be that opportunity where we can build in structure of fasting from something, right? Because this way we know systematically that like, hey, every three months, we're going to do a weekly something, a social media fast or caffeine fast or alcohol fast. Um, because going without is going to A, make you appreciate it a little bit more, B, make you more resilient to what you're actually are having a dependence towards or a habit that you maybe don't want to have too much of a habit around. Um, it allows you to kind of, you know, overall get out of that tolerance or build out of that tolerance that you've created for yourself. Um, but let's jump right into it. So I want to jump into the food stuff. So the first one that I put number one benefit is improving metabolic flexibility, aka getting fat adapted. Um, when it comes to weight loss and fat loss, we all know the overarching goal is obviously to be in a calorie deficit, but more importantly is there's a, there's a lot of nuance to that, right? Like we want to learn how to get the body to be very effective at burning fat and preserving muscle. Um, and that comes from being, yes, somewhat at a deficit, but not too much because I'll talk about that in the next part. Um, but also making sure that we're getting enough nourishment and we're getting the body to, you know, hormonally and foundationally learn how to use fat as an energy source. So becoming fat adapted is a very powerful tool when it comes to fat loss, right? And when it also comes to building muscle and preserving muscle as much as we want, um, you know, because there's a lot of that conversation that happens all the time. If like, well, if I'm not eating and I'm in an extreme deficit, my body's just going to be burning muscle and storing fat. Yes and no, right? Like there's so much context that goes into that. And there's so much that, you know, I can probably talk for an hour on all those things. Like I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So strictly for today, I want to talk about obviously benefits of fasting. So the number one benefit, like how fasting is actually going to make you more metabolically flexible is because when you go without food, but more importantly, you'd go without carbs. So the cool thing about this benefit is you also can do this twofold. You can do this using fasting protocols, or you can use this by just maybe staying on a lower carb protocol or no carb or carb cycle. Um, because when you go without carbohydrates, you have to remember that there's a, there's a finite storage of glycogen in the body, right? So your body will store glucose. Um, but there's not that much to store, right? Like you had, it's like a few thousand calories that your body can actually use from glucose in your body. So it doesn't take long for your body to tap that out if you're doing a longer fast or more intermittent fasting or going without carbs for a decent amount of time. Um, but there's hundreds of thousands for most people that are overweight or most people that have a fat loss goal stored of fat, right? So when it comes to fat reduction, we want to get our body to learn how to tap into what you already have. The cool thing about fat loss is like if I'm someone that's 30% body fat and I'm trying to be down to 15, it's like you literally have 15% of your weight that is stored energy. We just had to get figured your body to be more effective at using that, right? More efficient at using that. Um, and I think fasting probably is going to be the number one way to do that because when you go without food, and this is why it's so hard for people in the beginning because when you go without food in the beginning, if you're not fat adapted, you're going to have kind of like you're going to be hangry. You're going to be kind of cranky. Your body's really dependent on one singular source. Um, but over time, as you start to build in this intermittent fasting protocol or you go without carbs for a while, you start to carb cycle, and the better you get with it, the more effective and efficient your body will get with it. Then your body goes, okay, well, 
Corey's not giving me any carbs or any foods from that source. So what we're going to do is we're going to tap into what we have stored. So my body is going to now start to use fat more effectively, right? Um, and that's what I think is probably one of the coolest ways from a diet perspective to staying lean and burning fat and preserving muscle. But more importantly is like an energy standpoint. No one wants to kind of go through the, like the ebbs and flows of energy going up and energy going down, being dependent on food for the energy source. Like we want to be able to say like, hey, if I did skip breakfast and lunch today and I only had dinner, would I not be a cranky asshole all day, right? And that is the definition of literally being metabolically flexible is like you're kind of like a hybrid now, right? You can use the electric the battery, or you can use the gas, right? So you can switch on and off between these two subtraits of fuel. Um, and carbs and fats are the two subtraits that your body uses. So getting your body metabolically flexible is a very, very powerful tool for not just health and energy and vitality, but obviously, like we talked about, a fat reduction standpoint. Um, the second one that I have written down here is uh, helping reduce calories, right? So like I said, I think out of all the things that I've read in the past, even some of the research I was doing for this newsletter and this podcast today, um, a lot of it seems to run parallel benefit wise from the fact that like you, you are in a reduction of calories, right? So you're in a net negative. So being in a calorie deficit will provide some of these longevity things will provide some of these, uh, reduction of inflammation will provide some of the weight loss, which obviously provides all the other health goals. So I think a lot of it, even the next three that I talk about, I, I would say if I were to just take my educated stab at this, that I think a lot of it is due to the fact that fasting is a great way to reduce calories, right? Now, just like any other diet, if you think about why keto worked for some people, like keto worked really well for some people because you literally removed an entire food group, right? Fasting works for people because you're literally removing an entire meal from the day. Um, so you're just basically constraining the time that you're eating for fasting or you're going without food for a while or whatever it is. So you could do like a 5-2 intermittent alternate day like we talked about earlier. Um, so I think it's a great way to reduce calories, right? Because at the end of the day, when it comes to weight loss and most health, most health goals that people have set for themselves, if you can put yourself in a little bit of a net negative throughout the week, most times, um, you're going to be in a really, really good place, right? Now, the question and the kind of the, the nuance to calorie deficit, and this is my only thing that I kind of like ear people to kind of think about, I guess, is like when you're in a calorie deficit, your body is going to start to metabolically adjust, meaning make something up. I'm burning 3,000 calories a day, total daily energy expenditure. That includes exercise. That includes non-exercise uh, non activity. That includes my basal metabolic rate. That includes the thermic effect of food. Like, let's just make something up and say that that total was 3,000. If I were to eat 2,500 calories, eventually some of that BMR and that NEAT will naturally slow down because your body is always in a compensation state, right? It's always basically saying like, hey, we're an adaptation machine. Like that's what makes humans really, really cool. But when you eat less, your body starts to burn less. And when you keep reducing, you keep burning less and you keep – so what happens is metabolically you start to shunt yourself down. Um, and this is why I think it's good to have periods of being in a deficit, but also having periods of being in maintenance and obviously sometimes on the weekends, even being in a surplus. So I think like when you look at the overall macro view of it, being close to, you know, a little bit of a deficit, even closer to maintenance once you hit your goal, um, is something that's important to understand, right? Because like ideally we're not just going to keep cutting calories because eventually you're going to run out of calories to cut. Um, so like I said, when it comes to fasting, the one thing I will urge people to really, really put up, like pursue when they kind of chase something like this is make sure that your eating window has exactly what your body needs, right? And not just from a macro and a calorie standpoint, but from a nutrient standpoint, right? Because if your body is getting all the nourishment it needs from the diet during the eating times, it could be A, 
It's going to make the fasting when you're not eating that much easier. And B, it's going to make it that much more effective. Where I think people screw up on fasting is they go, okay, well, I'm doing 16 hours without food. So these eight hours, I can eat whatever the fuck I want. And then they end up eating more, you know, higher carb or more processed refined foods or just naturally the kind of like just select foods that are higher calorie and less satiety. Um, and I think that's kind of a recipe for disaster when you look at things like that. But also from the calorie reduction standpoint for the other side of the story, um, it's for the people that are fasting and taking it too extreme. If you're too much of a deficit, you're metabolically going to screw yourself up. So when it comes to just calorie reduction overall, just remember that even with fasting or any other diet, the goal is to be at a very, very minimum deficit. It's better to take the slow route to the weight loss and whatever goal that you have set for yourself and then build yourself into maintenance versus being super, super strict and intense with it because then like, you're just like metabolically screwing yourself up and then you end up kind of rebounding. Um, and I use the big, Biggest Loser show um, that came out with like all these articles after this, basically saying that – and these people were big. I mean these people are 300 plus pounds when they started the show – uh, but it was a weight loss challenge show, right? So they would train them for a couple hours a day. They would do really, really extreme deficits. And of course, these people lost stupid amounts of weight. But what happened is months after the show was over, they went back to the lifestyle. Even if it was better than what they were doing before, the fact that their metabolism slowed down during that 8 or 12 or 16 weeks of the show, when they went back and even ate a little bit better than they were previous to the show, they ended up still gaining weight back, right? And they ended up gaining more weight than where they started because metabolically they screwed themselves up. So that is my only piece of advice for people that are taking on fasting protocols, just to understand that, um, that you will have a point of diminishing returns, right? So the goal is to be close to maintenance, close to deficit. Maintenance is something you should be kind of achieving once you hit your goal, obviously, because then you don't really need to be trying to lose more weight. Um, but for those that have a weight loss goal in place, like that's something to think about. Okay, so that's number two is helping reduce calories. Um, number three, promoting blood sugar by reducing insulin and leptin resistance. So when it comes to insulin relationship to blood sugar and leptin, so leptin is kind of the hormone that is the satiety hormone, right? Like ghrelin and leptin are two opposing kind of inverse relationship hormones. Ghrelin is the hormone that tells us to go and eat, right? Leptin is the hormone that basically says, hey, you're full. Um, when it comes to insulin, you have to remember like when blood sugar goes up in the body, your body's going to release insulin, right? Insulin is a storage hormone. It is a very, very anabolic hormone. So when it comes to growth, insulin is a very powerful thing. When it comes to weight loss, insulin is something we want to manage, right? It's not something we want to have at zero all the time, but it's something we definitely don't want to have high. Because um, insulin's job is basically saying, hey, blood sugar is not something that's good in the body. It's toxic to the body. So insulin's job is to take sugar out of the blood and throw it into the liver and throw it into the muscles. So this way your body's kind of you know metabolically in a healthier place. So when it comes to insulin resistance, what happens is most people in the standard American diet, they end up eating, you know, three, four, five, six, seven times, including their coffee and their snacks and their meals. So they never really give their body a break to kind of like keep blood sugar at a low place, which in return never really gives their body to have insulin at a low place. We have to remember that when insulin is high, your body cannot burn fat. Remember that when insulin is up, your body can no longer burn fat. So if you always have periods of insulin being high, your body naturally is not going to be burning fat. So we want to have periods of A, being in a deficit, most importantly, B, having periods without food. So having meals and not snacks is a very powerful tool. Or C, like we're talking about today, having periods without food, period, right? So intermittently saying, hey, 16 hours a day, I don't put any calories into my body. Maybe water or coffee or tea or things that are kind of okay for fasting protocols. Or one day a week, I do a 24-hour fast, right? Or once a quarter, I do a two-day fast. Whatever it is, or one, you know, a couple times a week, you do one meal a day. Having those 
excuse me, having those periods without it allows us to keep blood sugar down, which allows us to reverse insulin resistance, which improves insulin sensitivity. Um, and leptin is kind of the same thing. And we see this with a lot of people that are obese or overweight, that we naturally become insulin resistant over time or leptin resistant. And it makes weight loss nearly impossible for these people because hormonally, your body is literally working against you. The reason why you become insulin resistant is kind of the same reason why you like your receptors in your eyes would burn out if you stare at the sun long enough. Like it's just working too hard. So what's happening is insulin's high. So insulin is kind of the hormone that opens up the thing. It's kind of the key to the cell to get blood sugar in there. But eventually it becomes resistance because it's happening too much, right? Um, so what happens is your body's going, okay, well, sugar's high, so we're going to release insulin. Well, insulin, now we're insulin resistant, so it's not really working. So blood sugar stays high, so our body releases more insulin. And then next thing you know, it's just like this vicious circle, right? So fasting is a very, very powerful thing because it allows us to promote blood sugar control by reducing insulin and leptin resistance, right? Um, and that's just something to kind of understand those. And from a weight loss perspective and health perspective, we definitely want to be managing blood sugar as best we can. Blood sugar is not something to um, be scared of it going up. I think it's more of how it mitigates itself. You know, when I tracked on a continuous glucose monitor, like obviously it goes up with certain meals, right? So if I have, you know, something like a dessert or a higher carb meal or whatever like that, like things that naturally get ascended a little bit higher, it's not the end of the world if it goes up. The question is like how fast does it rebound, right? And are we having the the valleys and are we staying lower throughout periods? If it's always going up and back down and up and back down and up and back down, um, it makes the weight loss journey a lot more difficult, right? So that's one. Number four, reducing inflammation and boosting brain function. So I think a lot of from what I've read and from what I've seen on this one when I kind of look at this is fasting is a very powerful thing through autophagy and through ketone production, right? Autophagy is basically your body's like kind of like the recycling system for your own body, if that makes sense. So like misfolded proteins, taking toxins out of the cell. Um, autophagy can be kind of inhibited or um, promoted through other things like exercise promotes autophagy. A sauna kind of promote autophagy. Fasting is probably the most powerful one. Ketosis, keto, like these are all different things that kind of promote autophagy. Um so autophagy is something that you want to think about. It's like the cellular recycling system of the human body, right? And it almost sounds bad, but it's like, I'm like, tell people, it's like, it's getting rid of the waste. It's not bad at all, right? Like, it sounds kind of scary when you read about it, but it's something that's very powerful. And I think that's where a lot of the reduction of inflammation comes from. And from a neuro standpoint, boosting brain functions kind of comes from twofold, right? Like neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and um, what's the other one? I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. But things like that, like they almost, a lot of these doctors are now calling it like type 3 diabetes, which is basically that could be a blood sugar relationship. Um, but fasting is also great for this too, because when you have periods without food or you have periods of low carb again, your body starts to then kind of produce more ketones, right? And these ketones are kind of like a cleaner energy source of the body, right? Like you need to remember that your body, like your brain, for example, your brain runs on almost close to 100 grams of carbs a day. But through gluconeogenesis, which is basically your body kind of just naturally through the liver produces glucose even without glucose coming through dietary, um, your body can provide a lot of those energy sources through like ketone production and those type of pathways. So having periods without food or having periods of low carb, I think are very, very powerful outside of the weight loss, but from a reduction of inflammation, like we're thinking about it this way, like inflammation it's pretty much the start of all diseases, right? So if we can keep inflammation low, and the way to measure this, like if you're doing like C-reactive protein blood test, or you know, there's other things that you can do. That's the one that I've done. 
Um, like you want a CCRP close to zero, right? Like we won't, we don't want inflammation to be high in the body because that's just going to be the start of a cascade of other events. Um, and from brain function, I think, uh, if you talk to anybody that's done these long spiritual fast, um, like a lot of religions, people do fasting for longer periods or they do, um, Lent or I'm trying, what's the other, I don't know why I'm blanking on all these things. Maybe I should be fasting. I need the brain function today. Um, you know, what happens is you start, you see your common story as a feedback as people are like, Hey, you know, the first like, you know, few hours or maybe even day for some people, like it's hard, but then they get to a point where it's like, it's easy. You're not really craving food anymore. Your mental clarity is like through the roof. And a lot of that is due to the fact that like ketone production is going to be a lot higher at that point. Um, so you get the kind of the neuro benefit, but you also get the reduction of inflammation and that comes through reducing blood sugar that comes through autophagy that comes through ketone production. So a lot of big, uh, list of benefits there. The last one that I have written down, which is, uh, something we probably all have heard is longevity. And I would say out of all the things I read, I think longevity is not strictly just a fasting thing. Once again, I think it's a calorie restriction thing. Um, you know, I put a couple things of a couple articles that I read, uh, you know, in one study rats fasted every other day and experienced a delayed rate of aging and lived 83% longer than the rats that didn't fast. Um, you know, if you look at that, they're also just like, it's a calorie reduction thing as well. So, but I think from a longevity standpoint, that's probably where I got most intrigued by fasting, um, was like, Hey, if I can eat kind of the same food and get some of these extra added benefits from vitality, health and energy and metabolic function and things like that, I'm like, it's just an easier way to structure my day. Like, why would I not try to apply it to my life? So that was actually the thing that kind of got me into starting intermittent fasting to a certain extent. Um, but longevity, obviously, be a big one. I was like, I hope when it comes to health, and when you think about fitness goals, period, there's health, aesthetics, and performance. Health could be living a long time. It could be living without disease or fighting disease. Um, it could be vitality, having more energy, having more sexual function. Like, I don't, I don't like health could be different to everybody. I personally very try to look at health very holistically. I want it all, right? Like I want to look good. I want to be strong and fast, but more importantly, it's like, I want to feel really good. I want to have good energy throughout the day. I want to have high libido. I want to be able to live a long time. I don't want to have disease. I don't want to depend on drugs to live my life. Um, like I want my body to be able to do what it does at its best. So I think fasting is a very, very powerful tool for that. Um, and I think it's a lot of the same pathways that we've already talked about in the four previous ones. So that for me was just something that's always nice to hear from a health perspective. Cause there's a lot of people that like, I think should be applying fasting. Right. And I think fasting is also something that can be very cyclical, just like every other thing that I talk about in the dietary world. Like for me, something I try to do in the winter times, there's less daylight. So I try to only eat when the sun is out. So naturally I kind of have longer fasting periods in the winter time, which is kind of like the good old hibernation mode. In the summertime, I try to eat a little bit more because the sun's shining for, you know, I mean, the sun's rising at five o'clock in the morning, going down at nine. So we're having 16 hours of sunlight, so I naturally will eat a little bit more. So when it comes to fasting, just to wrap this all up for you guys, try to pick something that you feel most importantly is going to be sustainable, right? Sustainability has to be the biggest overarching principle of what you focus on when it comes to your nutrition approach. Second thing is understand that it can be very intense for people, so start very slow. Don't start with these extreme windows or don't start with like a three-day fast to open it up. Um, you know, those are things that I think are just going to make your life miserable, Third thing is when it comes to making fasting a little bit easier, like sometimes what I'll do is I'll even like have fat only fast, right? Well, I'll go without protein and carbs um, and I'll have like you know, MCT oil powder in my coffee um, or like a bulletproof coffee sometimes. Um, or you can have things like where you're just doing water only fast or you can have coffee and tea. 
to make the caffeine a little bit easier for you. Caffeine actually helps with fat burning during a fast as well. So it kind of actually kicks the fat burning process into gear a little bit more effectively. So there's all these different things that you guys can play around with. I think fasting is something that we should all be implementing. Um, the question is, remember this, like you are someone that could literally go to bed at 10 o'clock at night eating something and wake up at nine o'clock in the morning and start eating again. You technically are fasting. It's just whenever you're sleeping, you're not eating, right? So everyone fast. The question is, what does your window look like? I would tell you from all the research that I've done that most of the fasting benefits tend to show up around hour 16, give or take. So when it comes to intermittent fasting or doing a weekly OMAD, one meal a day, or a weekly 24-hour fast, very, very powerful things for weight loss, very, very powerful things for health and longevity and energy, brain function, fighting disease, the whole nine yards. So I definitely think it's something you guys should be implementing. All right, guys. Well, I don't want to rant on as always. So have a great day. Enjoy July 4th, and I'll see you guys next week.